Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about the Great Reset is upon us. 1776 was the Great Reset. Trump sues and Barr bails and Portnoy's Barstool Barometer. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk to today's First Five. Of course, the election still looming is going to be big news in the show today. I want to talk just a little bit in the First Five today about this great reset idea because it's gaining steam as more people think that Biden might actually be inaugurated on January 20th. To start with, John Kerry, uh, he of the uh, fake service in Vietnam, who uh, lost his bid for the uh, presidency in large part because he misled America about his service in Vietnam, but still looming in the background, John Kerry has been named by President-elect Biden. He's not President-elect, it's he who would be President Biden has named John Kerry as his special presidential envoy for the climate. And part of the statement was this idea that Kerry is, of course, going to stand up for climate change. This is all um, subsumed under this kind of big idea of the Great Reset. And I want to make sure that we, we all understand more clearly, more deeply, what exactly this Great Reset is all about. The World Economic Forum, meeting of course again in Davos, is going to have in 2021, they're going to announce their Great Reset Initiative. It's an idea been floating around for a long time, and it is essentially the designating of the ruling elite class of the world becoming basically the ruling elite class for the world. They are going to try to assert themselves as the overarching authority over the world. Their concept is that they're using COVID as their latest excuse, although people advocating for this kind of one world government, global, global leadership, uh, globalization, all that, they've always had this mission of getting rid of nation states and, and at least getting rid of a sense of the pride of individual nations in their character and unique identity. Most especially this Great Reset crowd has very much wanted to eliminate United States of America, our country, uh, eliminate the idea we have any special identity, purpose, place in the world. We're just another run-of-the-mill country uh, whose ideas, whose founding ideas, make absolutely no difference at all uh, in the modern world. This is the thinking of the Great Reset people. So as they move forward, they are thinking they can use COVID, the overreaction to the COVID virus, as their excuse, as their, um, as their just absolute justification for taking major steps to uh, address the, the COVID crisis. They also use climate change, which is, ties back to John Kerry. Climate change was another reason for this great reset concept, this whole notion that the world should come under the control of these ruling elites smarter than everybody else people. And why I wanted to focus on that this, and the first five is this, as the Biden people are chomping at the bit, hoping he actually gets inaugurated, that they can, they can skate over the finish line, despite the election fraud in the 2020 election, they are all on board with this great reset. Not just a little bit curious, willing to take the good parts, not gonna take other things, they are all on board. 
And the idea of John Kerry in particular, you know, climate lunatic John Kerry, being the special envoy on climate is a signal to the world that America will accept what the leftist mindset tries to sell about climate, which is, you know, basically every problem in the world is the fault of the United States of America. The United States of America is an evil, bad nation with a terrible history. And so therefore, all policy going forward, all monetary policy, all trade policy, all climate policy, all policy must be premised in this notion that America has to fix everything at the expense of the world and America will have no particular role, no recognition of America's unique place in the world. So getting down specifics on the Great Reset, of course, they are going to immediately go to getting everybody back onto the uh, climate change agenda, the, the Paris Accords, which even more liberal uh, economists acknowledge if America actually got on board with that and stuck with it, it would cost tens of thousands of jobs in America. Obviously, the eventual elimination of all the jobs that have grown out of the fossil fuel industry, the fossil fuel industry, which itself has been the source of the, the basis for the uh, lifting of millions in the world out of poverty and misery because of our ability to advance transportation, to deliver supplies, to, to have reliable heat in the winter and cooling in the summer, all the things, all that's gone. This great reset lunacy, besides on the topic of just putting everyone on board with climate change, uh, which will be I mean the Paris Climate Accord, all climate change policy, anything they can think of, to uh, address the non-existent emergency of climate change. Yes, the climate changes. Yes, we have to be careful about our climate and keep fr fresh air, clean air, clean water. We don't have to surrender human comfort and begin to live like Stone Age people, as John Kerry is advocating. That's obviously a little bit of a hyperbole, but the point is leftists who support climate change are all about the idea that it's only Westerners who should sacrifice, who should suffer, who should stop being able to have their own cars and transport themselves at their own convenience, who should be told how warm their house may or may not be in the winter, how cold it may or may not be in the summer, whether or not the jobs that are filling, literally putting food on the table for thousands of American families should be eliminated because of a treaty. So climate change, one big part of the Great Reset. But the bigger kind of overarching notion of the Great Reset is the idea that this international body of superiors will engage in a massive wealth redistribution. Now, obviously, if America is a sovereign country and we have our own policies and our own tax policies, our own decisions about how much money we're going to be forwarding to various international agencies, we decide we, Americans, decide, our government decides about how much money is sent to various agencies and are they efficient in distributing it? And what is the reason uh, for giving uh, American uh, donated dollars to one agency or entity versus another? We bring our own judgment, wisdom, and, and life experience to those kind of decisions. The Great Reset concept is forget about it. The Great Reset, the meisters of the world, will decide who should have how much money, how much money should be forcibly redistributed and the whole point of this, and I'm going to wrap up in the first five in a moment, uh, because we could spend a long time talking about the Great Reset. But I want to make sure that you understand the, the, the underlying goal. And when I say wealth redistribution, that is the, the big target, the notion that somehow these people and the, and the, uh, the ruling elite who will then rule the world, they believe they can somehow, if you just give them all power, 
all power over money, all power over the economy, all power over the goods and services we produce, they can make life fair for everyone. They're the ultimate fairness monitors. They're the ultimate people who can decide how much money people should have, who shouldn't be allowed to have certain, certain forms of money or shouldn't be allowed to have any more than some set amount of money, how it gets distributed. These people, if you just give them all the power there is, will make the world fair. That is their argument. And what they mean by fair is, it is the perpetual denigration of America, denigration of free market systems, it's all about socialist control, that socialist mindset that decides for people, for countries, how much money you can have, where it can be spent, how it can be spent, what you can and cannot purchase. This is the whole socialist mindset. This is what's behind the Great Reset. It is the ultimate denigration and ultimate destruction of America as a free market country, as a country rooted in freedom and giving individuals the right to live in freedom. It is all about massive international control all disguised under the guise, all hidden under the guise of just trying to make things fair. Just gonna try to make things fair. And I wanna go back and tell you what I think about the Great Reset. And we're gonna talk next about my caption for the next segment of the show was 1776 was the Great Reset. But you have to understand, in America, we had a revolution. We had the Revolutionary War to throw off the ruling elite class of the monarchy in England, and the concept that life on planet Earth should be about everybody in whatever, in whatever country you're in bowing in submission to the monarchy, bowing in submission to the ruling authority, the ruling authority, the monarchy, the kings and queens, and all the royal positions they have, and maybe some high-level strata of society who get to be the noblemen. But for the masses of citizens, the whole concept of the monarchy was, you are peasants. You only have the rights we say you have. You can only go where we say you can go. You can only do where we say, what we say you can do. We make the laws. They don't have to be fair to you. This is the whole concept of a ruling elite monarchy. That's what America overthrew when we had the Revolutionary War. And that is exactly the idea that the advocates for the Great Reset are bringing back. They are nothing more than recycled ancient monarchists thinking that they are the ruling elite, they are the decision makers, they are the people smarter than everybody else in the room, they are the smart ones, they know everything, so they are going to tell you how you can live and what you can do. The Great Reset people try to say that they are the, the next step beyond this antiquated, obsolete idea of nation states. The fact is, the Great Reset, those thinkers, those people that think they're going to rule everything, they are no better than the monarchs that America threw off in 1776 when we said, no, actually, we believe in we the people. We the people govern, the, govern ourselves. The Great Reset people get a lot of credit, and, and all of the, the World Economic Forum, all these elite ruling entities, higher and better than all of us mere peasants, what they're really telling you is they get to rule you. You don't have any rights. You won't have any rights. You thought you did as an American, but as it, it slowly shuts down and crushes everything good about America, everything good about freedom in the world, all for the benefit because we're going to have the, our betters, our smarter, the, the people who decide what's fair, they're going to decide everything. You'll wake up one day and say, wait, what happened to my freedom? You mean I'm not allowed to buy a new car and drive it across country 
because some ruling class fool in the World Economic Forum and the Great Reset decided that, you know, people shouldn't have cars or shouldn't have that kind of car or you shouldn't be allowed to travel where you want. You have to understand the Great Reset people are asking us to surrender the very idea of America. And Joe Biden is all on board. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. As I said at the start of the show, we have a, uh, I put 70 to 76 was the great reset. Oh, by the way, what I was talking about in the first segment, um, I want to tell you that on our website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org, you can go to our website and you can find uh, articles that lay out what I was just telling you. Uh, this Dellingpole character uh, who's been writing about, uh, he's a great reset World Economic Forum guy, writing away about how great it'll be, the great reset will make everything fair and, you know, and everything will be beautiful and we're going we're gonna to do massive um, regulation due to climate control and massive forest wealth redistribution. And John Kerry, uh, on board, can't wait to get started um, with the World Economic Forum, which they have announced, by the way. Um, they're they're going to do a digital Davos 2021 to reveal their Great Reset. You can read about that on the website. But I don't want to say about 1776 was the Great Reset. I'm only going to take a minute in this point. We already have this conversation in America. We had it in 1776. We decided in the formation of the Declaration of Independence and the creation of a country, the Constitution, that we are not peasants. The American people, we reject, we reject the idea that everyone except the ruling class must be considered peasants. Part of what we said in 1776 is, we the people actually rule. We the people, we in America, we are the ultimate sovereign. We're the people who make policy by the choices we make in our elected officials, in Congress, the US House, the US Senate, the president, on the state level, at your local level. The whole concept of America is a different starting point than the World Economic Forum globalist type people. The idea of America, and that was in all of world history, the true great reset. The reset that said, we're standing for the individual rights of each and every person. And that's what America's tried to follow. Not been perfect, not always followed it, and we're in, very, in great danger here in the year 2020 as we are getting our presidential election resolved and trying to get to the truth of what happened in, in uh, the election. But we're at the point where one party in this country, the Democrat Party, is perfectly willing to throw off the very great reset of 1776 that stood up for the rights of individuals, stood up for freedom of religion and speech and assembly and the idea that we the people are the sovereign. They're happy to throw it away. Biden can't wait to get started sending people off to every place in the world, all sorts of international organizations to commit America. Essentially, he wouldn't put it this way, I'm saying this, commit America to surrender our place, surrender who we are as a people. And this is where Joe Biden is, his choice. I actually had a whole litany of the people he's chosen to put in um, various positions, but I can't get into that today. I don't want to get into it because I don't want Biden to be uh, inaugurated on January 20th. I still have to say there's a more than a fighting chance for Donald Trump. I'm going to tell you why in the next segment. But when your friends say, isn't this great reset, wonderful, your answer has to be and go to our website, americacanwetalk.org. You can read this article. 1776 was the great reset. That's the reset free people in the world should want. And frankly, yes, there is inequitable wealth uh, distribution around this world, but America's wealth came from the ideas of America. What we ought to be exporting in America, giving away, are our ideas, not our sovereignty. 
Okay, I, I got his stuff on this election. There's so much stuff happening in this uh, ongoing election cycle. I call this um, Trump sues and Barr bails. And I am going to get to, um, well, I'll quick do Barr. I'll just tell you that um, the 2020 election is still very, very much uh, in play, very much in um, you know, in dispute. Uh, many, many things happening in Washington, many things happening with litigation in states uh, in state courts and federal courts and the Supreme Court. But I will tell you, uh, I have been um, Bill Barr, Attorney General. I have tried to hold out hope that perhaps he was eventually going to recognize the assault on America, that he was going to step up. I actually had hoped that he'd be willing to let the American people actually see the outcome of the Durham investigation, that he would allow the American people that we have actual indictments and prosecutions. But instead, that investigation of, uh, by Durham and Barr um, of the Russia collusion hoax obviously dragged it out past election day. Now many people recognizing if Biden's actually inaugurated, all gets thrown away. But on election fraud, where we are right now. So number one, so I, I am tell you, I, I am very troubled by Attorney General Barr. And I, as I say, I was a long time was a pretty strong supporter. He did, by the way, in addition to what I'm about to tell you, he did announce over the weekend something like uh, his, he's concluded there was no reason to investigate the CIA's role in the Russia collusion hoax. People, John Brennan was in the middle of it. John Brennan was coordinating it. John Brennan was the head of the CIA and Barr saying, I don't see any reason looking at the CIA. So this is already problematic. But what Barr said recently, our Attorney General Barr, he said in response to conversation happening, obviously huge effort in our country, President Trump is talking about using his executive authority to seize the Dominion voting machines. The voting machines where so much fraud seems to have been centered in the 2020 elections. Attorney General Barr issued a statement. He was actually giving, he was speaking somewhere and responding uh, to somebody. And he said, I see no basis now for seizing machines by, by the federal government. Okay. I don't know if he's read the report of the Antrim, Michigan machines, which was just one county in Michigan where the Dominion voting machines were reviewed by ASOG, Allied Security Operations Group. Massive, massive, overwhelming wrongdoing for a voting machine supposed to have a 0.0008 error rate. That's a permissible rate by the Federal Election Commission. ASOG found in the answer machines a 68% error rate, meaning 68% of the ballots fed into that machine, the machine pulled up as error, unclear. So instead of going in the ballots to be counted, those ballots got sent over to the ballots to be reviewed, to be adjudicated. And lo and behold, the adjudication records are missing, can't figure out how they got adjudicated, uh, the entry logs to the machines are missing. I mean, there's screaming level obvious fraud and the Dominion voting machines in one county, so far as I'm aware, Bill Barr has not seen the voting machines, the answer machines in any other place, and yet he's uninterested. Can't, can't see the justification, can't figure out why. Now I will tell you, this is so egregious, so wrong, that, that it's hard to you know, say nice things. But I will say one thing. Barr was brought in, in part, Many people, actually both sides of the aisle, said that Barr was a man, a, a person, a former attorney general, come back to be attorney general again, that he would be someone who would respect the institution 
of the Department of Justice, and it's, you know, it's an included entity of the FBI. He was viewed as a guy who would respect and protect the entity. Now, what people hoped that meant was that he would weed out fraud, wrongdoers, criminals, conspirators. But there are people who are saying, you know, he just, he's so concerned about uh, the possible damage to America by uh, America figuring out that the entire election system was, was a fraud, that the Dominion voting machines and other companies' voting machines with the same kind of problems, same software issues as Dominion had, there, there's some line of defense about Barr that, well, you know, he's probably very worried that the American people will not be able to handle it if we realize that we just went through a completely fraudulent election. And there are people saying, well, maybe he's just trying to, you know, he's worried about how the American people will react. People, if that is his reason, and I don't know, I don't know the man, but if that is his reason, it is hogwash. We have to call hogwash on that. The American people deserve the truth and nothing less. The American people, by that logic, they're being forced, they have to just take it that nefarious players manipulated the Antrim vote, the, the uh, Dominion voting machines around this country to g get America to a fraudulent election outcome. And that by that argument, Barr would be saying, well, but I guess, you know, better to have a fraudulent election and put someone in place who didn't win because then the American people won't distrust their voting system. Well, I got, you know, Bill Barr, America, we already distrust the voting system. So much is out there about the astonishing level of, of fraud in these, in these uh, Dominion voting machines that there's that's just not a good justification. I don't even know if that is his, but what he has said, which is just unacceptable, egregious, and outrageous, he sees no basis for seizing the voting machines, not having, by the way, ever looked at one of them. So how does he know? How does he know there's no basis? If anything, the study of the Antrim machine should make him realize there is a basis. He also came out, Barr came out, rejecting a special counsel for the Hunter Biden probe. Now, I have to tell you people, we went over the Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden laptop on the show, you know, ad nauseum. I'm happy to do it again. But there is no way on the planet Earth, if there were a Democrat president and a Democrat attorney general, that and the fraud evident from the Hunter Biden laptop were made known in national news as it is now, but that was a Republican's adult son who did this and implicating the Republican dad, there's no chance on the planet Earth that any Democrat attorney general would say, well, you know, I think we better just let it go. We can't just investigate. No, we need a special counsel. I'm telling you people, Bill Barr has, um, I, I mean, I'm sad to say, I think he's showing his true colors. Maybe he's saying, I want America to stay stable. This is the best way to do it. But the only way America stays stable, the only way America stays safe, stable and secure, is that we all get to the bottom of Hunter Biden's conduct as it implicates his own dad, he who would be president but is not president-elect, and Barr saying no thanks on that. But what I really want to get to in this segment, I mean, there's just so many things to talk about today. Um, so Barr is bailing out on finding the truth. Very, very, very problematic. Trump is not bailing out on finding the truth. Now I'm going to get to some things about the Trump and what he's doing right now. First of all, President Trump has uh, joined in litigation as a plaintiff contesting the election results in Pennsylvania. And this is um, before the Supreme Court and the um, and, so, and with original jurisdiction. So he's there in front of the Supreme Court. And this is Supreme Court's second chance 
to decide, to decide whether they want to actually look at the case and understand the merits or punt as they did with the Texas case. Uh, but I, I do want to tell you a couple other things that are happening. So this is a good thing. Uh, and there, you know, uh, we could spend the whole show running through all litigation pending. I don't think it's all that interesting because where we are right now in this 2020 election cycle is we're at the place of figuring out whether or not the American people are just going to let the ruling class liberal elite Democrat media mob bulldoze over all the objections, bulldoze over the American people, and just say, you know what, um, you know, uh, what the left was hoping everyone will do is just submit, just surrender, just give up. Thank God for Donald Trump, he will not. He is still in the fight, as are many people supporting him. And I want to bring you up to speed a little bit on some things happening on that front. For one thing, uh, kind of entertaining, uh, Sidney Powell, who is uh, ongoing, uh, she's actually not currently employed by Trump. She is acting on her own. Filing, finding plaintiffs to file lawsuits, you know, acting every way she can to try to expose the fraud in this, uh, in this election, including fraud that relates to the Dominion voting machines. So there was uh, in the um, White House, uh, actually I'll try the other story first, kind of interesting, and then we'll get to the White House meeting. There was a White House meeting on Friday night, Patrick Byrne, that great guy who was on our show last week, and uh, also was the one who did a great reveal via Twitter. He actually threw a, an interview and then t- later Twitter followed up. Patrick Byrne is the one who revealed that he has been, was paid by the FBI to try to set up Hillary Clinton under the Barack Obama administration, try to set up Hillary Clinton to take a bribe at the behest of Obama and Obama's team while he was still president so that Hillary could be completely controlled by Obama and Biden, that she wouldn't do anything to challenge Obamacare, any policy that Obama and Biden wanted, that he, Patrick Byrne, was set up by the FBI to try to induce Hillary to accept a bribe, and then Obama and team could go to Hillary and say, hey, we know you took a bribe, and therefore, you're gonna do whatever we say. Patrick Byrne brought that up, huge inside player. Patrick Byrne was at the White House on Friday night. There was a meeting on Friday at the White House, Patrick Byrne, Sidney Powell, uh, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. And at that meeting at the White House, it's just a, it, just a um, amazing thing, uh, Patrick Byrne, because you know, uh, one quick, other quick thing about him, he's a libertarian. He is not a Democrat or Republican. He's never, as he says, never voted for Trump in his life, never voted for a Democrat. He votes libertarian. But he was invited to this meeting. And what he said about this meeting at the White House is so important to understand. Talk about who's willing to stand up and fight for fair election results and who wants to give in. Byrne reports from this meeting at the White House that President Trump is surrounded by the surrender squad. He said, Trump is being terribly served by his advisors. They want him to lose. They are lying to him. He is surrounded by mendacious, (laughs) I love when people, I love alliteration, mendacious mediocrities, mediocre people, mendacious meaning liars. So he's saying they're surrounded by mediocre liars who are essentially advising him uh, on what he should do in response to this massive attempt to steal the 2020 election. He said every good idea they have, every good idea anyone comes up with, um, is, is shut down uh, by the staff 
who are saying to him, you know, I, I don't think you better do that. We might not try that. He's describing, by the way, sadly, he's describing Mark Meadows, the former Republican congressman who then became uh, chief of staff uh, for President Trump. And, and all of us conservatives liked him. Mark Meadows, according to Patrick Byrne, is telling Trump, give up, surrender, move on, begin the transition. Mark Meadows surrendering. But anyway, back to this meeting. He says, Trump has lied to by, this is Patrick Byrne, Trump has lied to by his own advisors who tell the staff to get the president to concede, including Mark Meadows and two lawyers, Eric and Derek, and uh, Pat Cipollone, the uh, general counsel for the president, who Byrne says is the main leaker to the New York Times. If everything that happens in the White House, Cipollone says Byrne is the leaker. But Byrne went on to say, Meadows and the legal staff led by General Counsel Cipollone, reflexively shoot down every sober discussion or idea presented. Their frame of mind is automatic. They say to Trump, we better not try that. It may not work. It would hurt your reputation with the press. I mean, seriously, I mean, leaving, uh, leaving aside the minute portion of press who ever tell the truth about the Trump administration, you know, Epoch Times or Epic Times, however you want to pronounce it, uh, you know, Fox News has thrown in with the wolves, thrown in with the left. They're, they're gone. But um, um, Epoch News, uh, a few other ones, um, um, America, uh, One America, so those few. But actually, he's saying this is the kind of advice Trump is getting in these little meetings in the White House, that you better not do that because the press won't like it. Oh, like, I mean, and they don't like anything he does. But truly, he says he thinks the advisors are hurting the president. Um, Mark Meadows wants him to concede and transition. Uh, Cipollone piles on him. So this is Trump. He's got a, a small cadre of people now supporting him. Sounds like Byrne is Sidney Powell, uh, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, a uh, few others in Congress still standing by him. But people, I have to tell you, the loyalty of the people who voted for Trump, who want him to keep fighting, is, that is at a massively high level. The loyalty rate, the support for Trump is off the charts because the people who pay attention can see exactly what is happening. The left is attacking him and they had a fraudulent election. They thought they could pull it off. They thought the American people would just surrender once Fox and other networks started calling the race for Biden. They never thought that he would dive in and that people would dive in and figure out what was happening with the Dominion voting machines, thank God for Russ Ramsland and the ASOG group, Allied Security Operations Group here in Dallas, and others working with them who are exposing what's been happening, who've been putting it out there for two years. They knew about this kind of uh, sh uh, chicanery or whatever you want to call it, nefarious conduct related to voting machines for over two years. They've been trying to tell people. So you have Trump, on his own, up there with a small army of loyalists, surrounded by people apparently who are perpetually urging him to surrender. I, for one, do not think he should surrender. I hope you don't either. I want to tell you this: there was a great hearing. I'm getting one of the really interesting thing about um, about Trump. But there was a hearing uh, in Congress, and I sent Matt the wonderful a couple of clips. Um, this is a, there's a hearing in the Senate in which you know the Senate, at least now, is tangentially report, supported a Republican majority, but just barely. But anyway, uh, there was a clip of Senator Josh Hawley. Uh, this is from Twitter. But Ron Johnson, who chairs the Judiciary Committee, held a hearing, fabulous hearing. You know, Johnson was on fire. Hawley's on fire. And I want to ask Matt the Wonderful to play this clip by Senator Josh Hawley uh, in that hearing. I just want to say how important it is that we're having today's hearing. Let me just give you an example why. 
Yesterday, I was talking, I'm from the state of Missouri. Yesterday, yesterday. I was talking with uh, some of the constituents back at home, group of about 30 people. Every single one of them, every one of them told me that they felt they had been disenfranchised, that their votes didn't matter, that the election had been rigged. These are normal, reasonable people. These are not crazy people. These are reasonable people and who, by the way, have been involved in politics. They've won. They've lost. They, they, they've seen it all. These are normal folks living normal lives <clears throat> who firmly believe that they have been disenfranchised. And to listen to the mainstream press and quite a few voices in this building tell them after four years of nonstop Russia hoax, it was a hoax. It was based on, the whole Russian nonsense was based on, we now know, lies from a Russian spy. The Steele dossier was based on a Russian spy. After four years of that, being told that this, that the last election was fake and that Donald Trump wasn't really elected and that Russia intervened, after four years of that, now these same people are told, you just sit down and shut up. If you have any concerns about election integrity, you're a nutcase. You should shut up. Well, I tell you what, 74 million Americans are not going to shut up and telling them that their views don't matter and that their concerns don't matter and they should just be quiet is not a recipe for success in this country. It's not a recipe for the unity that I hear now the other side is suddenly so interested in after years, years of trying to delegitimize President Donald Trump. So suffice it to say, I'm not too keen on lectures about how Missourians and others who voted for President Trump and now have some concerns about fraud, about integrity, about compliance with the law should just be quiet and that they are somehow not patriotic if they raise these questions. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable. Okay, that was just a fabulous, that, Holly, that was great. What he said there, this summarizes the feelings, the views, the just um, you know, outrage of 74 million Americans. All of us had to listen for nearly four years of the Trump presidency, more than four years before he even got inaugurated, Russia collusion, complete garbage hoax, and now that there's a real problem, actual proof of election fraud, massive fraud, the left is scolding Republicans, scolding conservatives, scolding Trump, scolding Americans, saying, you know, as, as Hawley put it, sit down, shut up. Election's over, you don't get to talk, you don't get to protest. I don't think so. Also great clip, the same hearing. Uh, this is uh, Senator um, Tim, uh, Rick Scott from Florida, and he's got some great points, too, about how the Democrats all of a sudden think that you should never question election outcomes. This is Senator Rick Scott. You know, this is um, two years ago I got elected. Um, I won uh, election night by 54,000 votes, and Chuck Schumer sent a, a lawyer down and basically said, I don't care what the votes are, we're going to win through the courts. And through we went through unbelievable number of, of lawsuits, we had, I think, something like a thousand lawyers uh, working with us. Uh, we went through two recounts, and he he didn't care what the votes are. He his Chuck Schumer's goal was to uh, win, and his lawyer was just to win through the courts. It didn't matter what the votes are. It didn't let me um, uh, didn't let me come to um, orientation. And so when I when I listen, I watch this stuff now. I did not remember one Democrat in this entire country say. That's not right. You shouldn't be doing it that way. Uh, they were all in on this, and nobody complained. Okay, you gotta love that guy too. Making a great point. The Democrats are whining, moaning, complaining, and you know, to the courts, to the American public. How dare they drag this? We we have an election system. It's the best election system in the world. It's so noble. How dare they have litigation? 
I, I mean, it's mind blowing. Hypocrisy is mind blowing. And what's more mind blowing is because the media, or the, uh, as I often call them, the Democrat media mob in this country, spend so much time supporting the left, they don't even point out this kind of hypocrisy. If you didn't have brilliant senators like Scott and Hawley pointing this out, who even points this out? I mean, the hypocrisy is just, it's just squirm level, scream level. And I'll show you one, there's a map, I sent Matthew Wonderful too, just so you wanna see how, where, you know, the, the red versus blue and how Trump did in this election. See all the red in that map, that red, those are all the areas that Donald Trump won. The blue, that's what Biden allegedly won. And the blue is supposedly going to be, this is why we must have electoral college, by the way, but the blue is also uh, supposedly those people uh, get to rule and those are the places, in fact, if you really boil it down, it's about six, six states, about four counties, really boil it down, where the theft of this election occurred. And everyone paying attention knows this, everyone knows. And so here we are, where we are in this process, as I mentioned. So we've had the Electoral College met on the 14th. Now the next step is January 6th. In Washington, January 6th is the date when there's a joint session of Congress. It is the senators and the House members. Pelosi does not get to chair it. She's just sitting down like everybody else. It is, it is chaired by the sitting vice president, who is Pence. And that is the hearing, January 6th, in which the, once the Electoral College has met, they transmit the votes to Congress, and those votes are then, on the January 6th meeting in Congress, those votes are then, electoral votes are then opened. And at that time, the members of the House, any member of the House, any member of the Senate, can object. Object to electors based on fraud in the elections where, that got them to this point of having those electors. So that's where we are, that process coming up. I also sent to Matt the Wonderful, just his quick list of the states, like the number of electoral college uh, votes in place, and just so you know where we are in this. So, that, so here we are, electoral college, uh, their vote on December 14th, Biden has 306 votes, Trump has 232. It takes 270 win. So basically, Trump needs to add 38 more votes to win the electoral college. We can see many complication, uh, combinations can get you there in this list to 38 votes. Or conversely, Biden has to lose 37 votes and he'll be below 270. So this is the places where we're focusing because these electoral college votes are the ones most in contest and where the fraud overwhelmingly occurred in this election. So that's the battle where we are in those states. And so in January 6th, the question is, what's going to happen uh, in Congress? We've already had Congressman Mo Brooks say he will definitely, on the House side, challenge some of these states. We need to be uh, telling senators and congressmen to, and you don't want to just, to be really clear, I was working with a group, I, I do a lot of speeches, and so I was working with a group who was asking me, what should we say if we write a letter to our senator or congressman? So I, I wrote a kind of draft letter. I don't want you to say, I don't think it's right to just demand because you don't like Biden and you wish Trump won. You can't just write to your member of Congress or senator and just say, you know, contest all those electoral votes. We want Trump. But you can encourage them to look at the evidence, to actually look at the evidence. Read the report from the Antrim County, Michigan uh, review of the Dominion voting machines read them, understand what's happened, understand why the Trump followers are so clear and, and why Sidney Powell has been so clear, simply unwilling to, um, you know, to back off at all that there was massive election fraud 
in this election and that it is wrong for Congress to just give their seal of approval to the Electoral College vote because they're putting their seal of approval, each member of Congress is, saying, yes, I agree, this was a valid election. That's what they're saying when they vote on, on January 6th, when they decide to speak up and challenge electors or they don't speak up. I'm helping a group write a letter because they want to start sending letters to their uh, members. If you want to do that, uh, you should do it too because it's vital that these members of Congress feel uh, the Senate and the House feel the pressure of the average American saying you can't just sit there and accept these fraudulent electoral college votes. We had elections stolen. You have to fix it. By the way, little tidbit I was going to throw uh, in. So we had uh, Kelly Ward on the show last week. She uh, is the chair of the Arizona GOP. And the day we talked, she was talking about a state senator in Arizona has issued a subpoena to Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. Maricopa County, biggest county in Arizona where Phoenix is. And the, uh, there was allegedly ex uh, you know, ex huge election fraud in Maricopa County on election day. And, and so this state senator issues a subpoena, a legislative subpoena to the Board of Supervisors in Maricopa County and says, you know, we want to examine the ballots and the Dominion voting machines. So it's not a, like a request from a private lawyer. It's a subpoena from the state government. And the Board of Supervisors in Maricopa County voted four to one. They're not going to comply. They said, no, we're not complying. The four Democrats, naturally, the four Democrats voted not complying. The one Republican said, I think we should comply. And they just, I mean, if you have nothing to hide, why wouldn't you turn over those machines? So that Board of Supervisors has now filed their own litigation. So they're in court in Arizona. The point is, it is, it is still wildly unsettled what actually occurred on election day and prior to election day with the manipulation of voter tabulation software it's holding all those stored votes from early voting. Completely unknown. In America, this is our time to fight. This is our time to demand that every court with the power to do it, every legislature with the power to do it, do everything they can to get to the truth. Because many, 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 many examples and reasons exist why just, not just examples and evidence of fraud, overwhelming fraud, but many, they use the word anomalies, and that can sound kind of, you know, things can be anomalies, but not necessarily indicative of fraud. But there's so many anomalies in this election cycle, so many numbers that don't add up, facts that don't add up. You just don't surrender the presidency of the United States just because the other side are bullies. And this many anomalies, this much wrongdoing already known. It is incumbent on everyone who's got power to do something about it. You have power, actually. Donald Trump is encouraging Americans to come to Washington on January 6th and just literally be outside the House and the Senate. Peaceful protest, fair elections, challenge these electors, whatever your sign's going to say. Now, I know most people can't jump in the car or jump on a plane. Uh, we can't either, probably, but I would love to be there. But I think everyone who can should. This, this massive showing of force, this does impact the senators and congressmen. It does impact them seeing that, that their voters, these Trump voters, who are the same voters who got all the GOP members of the House and Senate elected, these voters want them to stand up for truth. You could try that. One last thing on the election, uh, very quickly, which just is, um, 
So uh, Smartmatic, the, uh, manu this uh, Smartmatic software, which is the one that came out of Venezuela and was designed to allow Hugo Chavez to cheat. You may recall that the whole purpose of the Smartmatic software was so that Hugo Chavez could cheat and win re-election when his polling told him he was not going to win. And that software has been the subject of litigation around the world because it is just designed to allow tyrants to cheat, tyrants to steal elections. And so Smartmatic wrote a lengthy letter. I printed it out. I'm not going to read it to you. It's like 17 pages long. Uh, Smartmatic's lawyers sent a letter to Sidney Powell, the lawyer who is pressing forward, you know, urging America to get to the right results, a lawyer to uh, a letter to Sidney Powell, basically saying to her, you know, um, blah, 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 claiming she is defaming them, claiming that, you know, our software is wonderful and there's been no cheating. And we never did this and we didn't do that. I mean, they're taking statements she's made at press conferences and in pleadings and nitpicking and complaining. And that's not true. I mean, they're basically assaulting her, asking her to take back all the defamatory things she said about them. Now, to be clear, if they're true, they're not defamatory. Defamation is only when it's a lie. It's not, it's not defamation if you tell people true stories, facts that are embarrassing, hurtful, uh, you know, offensive about somebody else. It's not defamation if it's, if it's true. And so Sidney Powell gets this lengthy letter from uh, the uh, Smartmatic people basically saying, you know, we're, that we're challenging you. you. You said bad things about us. We don't like it. Blah, 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 blah. So uh, Linwood, uh, who is, uh, he sent a letter back, which is, I believe I sent to Matt the Wonderful. Here's his letter back to the lawyers. And I don't know if you can read that, if we can enlarge it at all, but the letter back from Linwood uh, to the lawyers for Smartmatic. I represent Sidney Powell. I have carefully reviewed your letter of December 15th. I am not impressed. Ms. Um, Ms. Powell, I uh, can't quite read it for this small writing. Anyway, she stands strong, basically, and he ends up saying, file your lawsuit. Okay, God bless that man. File your lawsuit. I mean, these people, they are so, the, and again, it's leftism. They are so used to bullying people into submission, into silence, and fortunately for Sidney Powell, her lawyer tells them, you know, I read, you, I read what you said. And I'll, I'll tell you, Sidney Powell, she is being extremely outspoken in this uh, era, in this issue of election fraud. But she's a very careful lawyer. She's careful what she says. She doesn't put things in writing that she can't back up because she just doesn't do that. She actually has an affidavit of someone sitting in Venezuela with Chavez and the Smartmatic people where they're telling him, don't worry, uh, dictator Chavez. We have this software. You'll always win. And he's saying, are you sure you can do that? Are you sure? Oh, yeah, yeah. You smart mad if we'll make sure it was he was facing an election where he his polling told him he was going to lose 60 40 and so he gets the Smartmatic software, and lo and behold, he wins 60-40. You know what? Who knew? Okay, one last quick story. Uh, so a lot of you, especially guys listening to the show, you may know about this guy, Dave Portnoy. He has Barstool Sports. And basically, you know, I guess he's if you're into sports, which all the guys in my family are, you know, they like to watch these entertaining Barstool type, you know, this, this entertaining conversation about sports. So Portnoy's Barstool... Um, Barstool Sports, you know, he, he's a sports guy, but he also does these little riffs about his thing is he goes around the country and samples pizza. 
He does endless pizza reviews, small town, big town, small, you know, reviews pizza and puts up pizza reviews. And, you know, it's a fun thing. And I guess people, when he has said, wow, this is great, great pizza, you know, it helps the business. People come running over to buy that pizza because he said it was good. So he put up a uh, clip. He, he um, does his riff on, on um, camera. He put up a clip. He has been livid about how COVID uh, and the policy reactions to COVID of shutting down businesses, shutting down restaurants and bars, places where people who love sports love to go. He has been outspoken saying, this is crazy. So I sent Matt the wonderful two clips. First clip is him just basically saying what he was gonna do because he was tired of hearing about how many places lost their business because of COVID. Okay, I've been ranting raving lately about the plight of small business in the United States. New York City just shut down indoor dining. It's like, how do you expect these people to survive? How are restaurants going to survive? They're already on their last legs and you're pulling the plug on them. And nobody seems to care in the government. Or at least they're not doing anything acting like they care. No plan, no relief, no bailout. It's like, what's going to happen? So I was ranting raving about it. Marcus Lamonis challenged me. He's like, why don't you put your money where your mouth is? Well, I've spent the last couple days doing exactly that. So we're going to donate half a million dollars and we've come up with a plan. Is it the best plan? No. The best plan is the government getting off their ass and issuing relief billions of dollars to these small business owners who are losing their livelihoods and have no recourse and no way to save it through no fault of their own. Billions of dollars. Okay, That's the solution. That's Matt, the only you solution. Really. You know what? It's but a really good now. clip. We can't play it all. We're out of time here. But he basically, he put up, put his own half million of his own money in and businesses around the country can uh, submit to him, you know, I'm a, their, their basic information. I'm a, a restaurant owner. Um, and you have to be still employing and paying your employees. So if you're still employing and paying your employees, uh, you have to tell them, you know, how much money, you're, what are your costs? I, I pay my employees X dollars a month, whatever the rent, whatever other expenses you have. You know, he's saying, tell us what your expenses are that you're losing because of these ridiculous COVID shutdowns and we'll cover the cost for you. And he goes on to say, this is for the a month, but you know, if it goes on longer, we'll continue supporting you, we'll continue supplying for you. And so he's telling these people around the country because the government's shutting down your business, he, this guy, who's, you know, just a very, I guess, very popular with uh, sports type people, uh, is just saying, you know, I'm not gonna do this. He's Barstool Sports founder, Dave Portnoy. And then he had a follow-up, very short clip too, uh, from his, the next thing he had to say. Okay, real quick update on the Barstool Fund. Uh, overwhelming response, I guess not overly surprising, um, but encouraging. Uh, other businesses, other individuals, big donors coming forward wanting to be part of it. People, just everyday people being like, how can we donate? Again, the GoFundMe pages are going to launch probably on Monday. One restaurant, one bar, one small business after another uh, with the target amount we want to raise. People can donate then. We also put a t-shirt on sale. Um, and for all the people wanting to make like six-figure donations, we're going to have a way to do that. Make sure you get the tax write-offs and all that. So all of it's coming um, per Barstool style. Um, you know, a little disorganized, but we're going to get it all right. But the, the response has kind of blown us away. Okay, I got to tell you, I love this. This is kind of wrap up for today. I didn't even get to talking about, I, I, we will do it sometime, but you know, Congress is ready to do a huge other bailout uh, to send more money to people whose businesses have been shut down uh, because of their extreme overreaction to COVID. And I would far prefer to have the government lift restrictions 
and let people get back to work, businesses back to running, than to have to spend more money in Washington that we don't have, build up dependence on the government, build up our debt, build up a country, and we just can't function this way. So I'd far much rather have the government say, you know what, we're going to let free people live in freedom, decide what they want to do in COVID, decide if they want to be open or not open. We're going to do that. But the Congress, really, because they, they made the problem, is viewed as virtuous or moral because they are spending more money giving bailouts to people. And I guess in some bizarre way it is, but the right answer is to end all these extreme lockdowns and extreme restrictions on private citizens. But what I love about that story, what I'm going to close on it today was I love that this guy, this is private citizens, I cut him short, but he's getting tons of donations. The American people are outraged about what COVID is doing to our economy, to their fellow citizens, and they're willing to put money forward to help them stay in business. This is the American spirit. This is the goodness of the American people just shining through. I love it. As I do at the close of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started today, our opening segment, we started talking about the Great Reset is upon us. Uh, World Economic Forum Davos proudly extolling the Great Reset. Biden is all in. COVID, the launch pad for a complete restructuring of world order and society. Control of pandemic requires control of the people. Control of climate requires control of people. Ending the relevance of nation states, redistributing wealth. The Great Reset is not an advance. It is not noble or moral. It is not good. It's a regression, a step back to when elite rulers, then called monarchs, now called experts, controlled the people and freedom of the individual was an illusion. If the Great Reset shapes U.S. policy, even many Biden voters will wake up to wonder what happened to freedom in America. Americans need to relearn their own heritage, the truly great reset of 1776. And on that subject of 1776 was the great reset. The true advance of humanity came with the founding of America and the reordering of the people's relation to their leaders. Before 70, 1776, the masses and unelected rulers who decide what the masses can and can't think, say and do. The unelected rulers decided what the masses can and can't think, say, and do. After 1776, we the people choose the government, but the government's first job is to protect and preserve God-given rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The individual is sovereign and free, subject to a rule of law that expects moral self-control. The American Revolution established man's individual relationship to his creator as superior to the masses subjugation to human rulers. This is the radical great reset. Americans must never give it up. And on Trump sues and bar bails, President Trump remains in the fight. His campaign has filed suit with, um, with the Supreme Court about the Pennsylvania fraud. Trump has called for a rally in DC on January 6th. Special counsels, impounded machines, and martial law currently downplayed. Evidence of systemic fraud and voter fraud is overwhelming and it's still growing. Outgoing AG Barr throws cold water on the Hunter Biden special prosecutor and on impounding Dominion voting machines. Barr is a ruling class elitist. He made noises in the right direction, but in the end, Barr has protected the swamp. Patrick Byrne at the White House says Trump is poorly served by mendacious mediocrities. I love that, it's very funny, mendacious mediocrities. Swamp dwellers believe in their own omnipotence and dismiss truth. American patriots are fed up likely to force a reckoning. And finally, on Portnoy's Barstool reminder, Dave Portnoy's Barstool Sports has made him into a pop culture icon, not a political ideologue, but a great American. 
an entrepreneur who understands the struggle of small business owners. Portnoy's foundation to support small businesses, restaurants, started with $500,000, half a million, reportedly now up to tens of millions of dollars, offers to give money to applicants to help them meet payroll and stay in business. This is pure Americana, common sense outrage at government overreach of COVID lockdowns, reaching out to help neighbors in need, no political calculation, just doing the right thing by fellow citizens and friends. Portnoy and his peers have no idea what the radical left intends for America. Seeds of an enormous rebellion are in place. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can you